0: me
1: show me what I need to see Welcome to the Small Victories podcast I'm your host Pauline Victoria, an inspirational thought leader that offers transformational perspectives based on my unique experiences as a woman born without arms and legs. I feel like my life has been full of small victories that has led me to discover the greatness within. I believe that there is no summit upon which we reach our greatness. I believe it is a culmination of small victories achieved moment by moment when we turn toward the inward battle where we get to choose despair or hope, misery or miracles, defeat or victory. My goal is to awaken your potential, your purpose and your power so that you can discover the greatness that lives within you. Think of this podcast as your weekly portion of tools, stories, and teachings that help you reflect on the small victories in your life. Thanks for tuning in, and let's begin. Thanks for joining another episode of the Small Victories podcast. I'm your host, Pauline Victoria. When we look at what makes up our identity, there are so many facets to consider, but how important is our cultural identity? That's what we'll be discussing with Sam Tiara on this episode. Sam is a professional who has created a personal journey as a speaker, storyteller, writer, educator, coach, entrepreneur, problem solver, and community activator. His goal is to help individuals realize their greatness. Presently, he teaches at the Beattie School of Business and is also the founder and chief motivating officer at Ignite the Dream Coaching and Consulting. He has become an expert in career coaching with over 5,000 conversations. He has authored two books and shared two different TEDx conferences. His tagline is, everyone's life is an autobiography. Make yours worth reading. Sam, thanks for coming on the show.
2: Thanks, Pauline, for having me. And it's so much easier if you just say, ladies and gentlemen, here's Sam. You've set high expectations with your listeners already.
1: <laughs> that's okay. I only have the best on my show. Oh, that's it. <laughs> I am... Um, So glad to have you because we're going to have a conversation I have yet to have with anybody. And I love your tagline that everyone's life is an autobiography, make yours worth reading Uh, because it helps people see that their life is unique and has value and has the ability to teach. And I know you've written a couple books about your journey around your autobiography it's a really interesting one and i'm also very excited about talking about cultural identity because for those of you who don't know i am also biracial i have both filipino in me and american which can be then you know split apart into german and danish so having being a first generation in america and having such a difference in cultures is something that's near and dear to my heart. So I'm super excited to have you with us, Sam. I want to start off with you sharing with our audience about your story, because you tell it best, you know, just in regards about how your cultural identity came into play with your life.
2: Oh, absolutely. So you talked about being Filipino-American and other distinguishing areas. I was born in England, raised in Canada. My parents, they come from Fiji Islands, which is near Australia. And my grandparents, they come from India. It was one of those areas of like growing up in Canada, you think to yourself, you're Canadian. And, you know, you play road hockey, you eat hot dogs, you fall down, scrape a knee, and you bleed maple syrup. I mean, that's what Canadians are. And it was one of those areas of, I mean, really understanding and embracing Canadian society, Canadian culture. But I found that my Indian identity sort of took a back seat. And it wasn't because my parents said, no, you're Canadian, you have to be Canadian. It was just everyone got busy with their lives. And you just sort of Uh, Didn't have a lot of relatives or friends, even in my school growing up, especially my high school, maybe five, 600 students, there were only seven visible minority students. So you didn't really embrace your identity. It was when I hit university and a much more global audience, I started looking at okay, there's more people that are coming from a global perspective and they've embraced or not to embrace, they've lived their cultural identity. And their aspects to me would be, you know, asking me about my cultural identity, you know, the celebrations, the food, any of those things. But I felt like I was lacking in that space. Even in high school, for example, growing up and going to high school, you really are cautious, even your name. So my my name is Sam. But my given name is Ajit, Ajit means unconquerable. It's a beautiful name. But when I was a young lad in England, my parents just called me Sam because it was a pet name that they just liked and it stuck. But I remember going into high school and going into the classroom before everyone else and saying to the teacher, there's a mistake on the attendance sheet. You'll see Ajit, but it's Sam because you were worried about what people would say. Like you'd hear, you know, Pauline, Frank, John, Mary, Ajit. And people are like, who the heck is this Ajit? What's Ajit? And it was only when I got to university, it was more like I started to embrace it. So here my cultural identity was, you know, definitely Canadian, British for sure, because I had been back numerous times, somewhat Fijian, and definitely never really embraced that Indian piece. Years later, I decided to go on a journey. And the journey was to go find my ancestral roots, my grandfather's house. And all I had was a faded photograph. It's like three and a half inches by three and a half inches. You really can't even make it out. It's like an orange dingy color. So I decided I wanted to go to India to realize what was India like, because I do love to travel. But at the same time, I wanted to realize my identity as an Indian And Pauline, when I got there, I was a foreigner going to a land that shouldn't be foreign to me in search of a needle in a haystack and not sure where the haystack was. It was quite the arduous journey of ups and downs. And the book I wrote, which happened years later, it's called Lost and Found, Seeking the Past, because part of it is I was seeking the past, but I was also in in search of finding myself. Now, if you'd like, I can share how I found myself and my identity. And that was, I remember four in the morning, just abruptly waking up when I was in India and realizing that prior, my life had always been what I call a tali. And a tali is a silver platter with segmented dishes in Indian cooking. That's what my life was. I was British, Canadian, Indian, Fijian. And I mean, I've played in an Irish military pipe band. So there's some Irish chutney on there as well. (laughs) So there's five components that were unique and distinct. And my realization is my life is not a Thali. My life is an Indian dish called Kichdi. And Kichdi is a blend of flavors. You go to your fridge with the with the rice and you whatever vegetables you find, you mix it in there with all the spices and everything. That's Kichdi. That's what my identity has become is Kichdi, which is a blend of flavors. And it also made me realize that We're all Khichdi, we're all a blend of flavors. And there are times we are segmenting, but there's not really a need to segment because I can be Indian, Canadian, British, Fijian, and Irish, all, you know, whatever, instead of being unique and distinct. So uh, that part of the journey was finding myself and the realization of that. The journey to find my ancestral route was definitely a lot more difficult and much more complicated. There was a lot of noise. People who said, You won't be able to find the village. Why are you looking for it? I think you don't have the right name for it. If you find it, you're not going to get a good reception. So there was a lot of the noise, but I activate the voice within me to be louder than the noise. So when I went on this journey with this photograph and a little bit of information of the name of the village, the town it might be near, the district, there were setbacks. There were times where we would go to a place and it was not the right village, but the people were so warm and welcoming. And I remember it was always this anticipation and all of a sudden you're dropping because it's not the right place. And I just remember in that sequence of events, we decided, let's forget what everyone has told us. Let's just drive to the town that's supposedly six miles away from our village. And again, at the village, people are saying, why are you looking for it? Oh, we never heard of it. I think you got the name wrong. And again, you could see in my journal, this whole aspect of decline with regards to, am I even going to find this? Well, one gentleman said, oh, you're looking for this village named Chidori? Oh, well, it's just up the road six miles this way. And I was like, wait, did I hear you correctly? He goes, yeah, Chidori is up the road this way. But again, Pauline, there's guarded anticipation because we had setbacks along the way. We drive to this dusty road, and then there's this archway, and this old man is seated there. And he's just staring at the ground. We show him the picture. He looks at the picture and he looks at it and he says, Well, I don't know about the house. I don't know about the people in front. But the guy in the back looks like so and so. And I'm like, looking at this picture, going, how the picture's faded you don't even have glasses on or you're old how do you even see this person in the back i mean i i can't even really see who it is but he gets into our vehicle we drive to a house 10 people come out they all sort of look at this picture and all of a sudden this one lady says that's me in the picture who are you guys and all of a sudden it was like wait did i hear you correctly she goes yeah that's me and it suddenly made me realize that we found my ancestor's house, my grandfather's house, where he left India from back in 1905, over 100 years ago. So it was one of those, and, and it was really what the lady said later on, when she found out who we were. And she said, you're home. And this rush of connectedness to this place just suddenly materialized. So that's what the journey is. Now, I know that it's a spoiler alert because I just told what happened, but Pauline, it's the journey that was the most significant part of this area of going in search, learning about the country and realizing what the magnificence and the injustices of this country holds for everything that it holds. But the ultimate goal was the realization that I was able to recapture and find my ancestral roots.
1: As I listen to your story, I literally have goosebumps all over my skin. I want to tear up because it's like a movie. It's like what your book says, lost and found. Yeah. I would like to know mm-hmm. what was the importance for you wanting to reconnect with your ancestral home. Right. Actually, it was number 1 I
2: thrive in ambiguity and uncertainty. And this was ambiguous and uncertain. So I don't know. It it was one of those, that's part of it. If it was just as easy as get off the plane, you can sort of see on a map where it is, and you drive there and then you find it, I don't think it would have been that enjoyable or that important to me. But there were really two main reasons that this was really important. The first one was that nobody had really tried to find our ancestral roots and people just got busy with life but my realization was that photograph and this whole aspect of the limited information we had is a very thin thread that connected us to our entire ancestral roots i took it upon myself to make sure that thread never broke and you know that was one The second thing was I write about it in my book that when I was nine years old, my father had an industrial accident, became a paraplegic. He has done a lot for us and he's still with us. I wanted to do this for him because he never had been to India. I wanted to do something that was of significance for our family. I went to India with literally Ziploc bags in my pocket in the hopes that I could find the village. And when I did find it, part of what I wanted to do was to walk out into the fields, scoop up dirt, put it into these Ziploc bags, and bring it home to my father as a memento and a way to say, here's something that comes from our ancestral roots. Those were the things that really drove me to pursue this journey.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you go on this journey the roller coaster of emotions of is this the one and then the disappointments and finally you come across people and the village in which your grandfather came from mm-hmm. you said you felt a rush mm-hmm. what was going on in your mind did that f- fulfill some sort of need or I'd like to uncover yeah. What, what, you know, once someone accomplishes something after the long, arduous process, what is it that you felt?
2: Yeah, it was a euphoric moment because it, it really became this success piece of setting out to do something despite the odds and being able to accomplish it. And just hearing those words, your home, really resonated with me. And it, connected me to this place that prior to it never even existed. And I remember writing at the very end of my book, when I got home, you know, my mom always said, what would you like? Anytime I travel, she always at the end says, and you're coming home, what would you like to eat? And in this case, I asked her for Kitcherty. And I just remember everybody was around, everybody was listening to the stories, but I took my Kitcherty to the sun deck, And I looked up to the stars in the sky and there was the moon. And I thought to myself, here I am looking at the moon from Canada. It's the same moon that I was seeing from the village in India. Just the whole idea that we shared something that really connected me and bonded me to this, not just the country, but now just this whole cultural identity piece. And it's interesting, Pauline, because growing up in Canada, And I'm all about analogies and acronyms and things, but I said, the way my life was prior to India was, you know, it's like a duck's egg rolls into a swan's nest. And the egg hatches and the duckling sees the swans and the other swans. And automatically you think of yourself as a swan. It's only later on when you're swimming around and all of a sudden you see a reflection in the water and you suddenly look at your reflection, you look at the people around, you, you're like, wait, I'm different. And I think that's what happened with regards to being Canadian is yeah, no, definitely Canadian, but there's something that's missing and I need to recapture it. And that's really what this journey was all about. And I think there's a lot of people that would like to find their ancestral roots or just learn more about their ancestral roots even just to feel a connectedness back to a place. And that's what this book does, is it provides that sense and feeling. So many people are saying, well, it's great that you found your ancestral roots, but there's no way I will ever find it. My ancestors left Sicily and we don't have any records or anything in that regard. My thing is go to Sicily, experience Sicily. Even if you don't know the house, the village, the town, but just the fact that you're walking there, is there something that connects you back to this place? And if it does, you know what? You're home as well. So it's a beautiful journey that I took, but if you can't accomplish it, don't feel down. Just the fact that you're in a place where your ancestors are from, you're still home.
1: Yeah. I think probably for... Canadians and for many Americans, they've been here for so many generations that they really do consider themselves Canadian or American because that's where they have come from for two, three, four generations. But essentially, we're all from somewhere else other than the Native Americans and Canadians. And even them, they probably migrated from Asia Mm -hmm. at some point. I know in America, people want to clump them into. Oh, well, you're white Mm -hmm. and being half quote unquote white. I want to understand. I want to know, well, what was my German side? Like, you know, I know we have family that we're still in touch with in Denmark. I would Mm -hmm. like to know that, but people forget and they don't see the importance of it. So what would you say to those people that Mm -hmm. are considering or Mm -hmm. maybe just shove it aside? Like, I don't really need to know.
2: Right. If you leave it to much later in life when you have a bit of a realization, the time may be too late because what you're doing is, apart from those DNA, you know, ancestry or 23andMe helpful, but a lot of our stories are oral stories and the older people get, the more sparse those stories become and I think it's important to activate those stories earlier on as opposed to later. I did it later in life. Fortunately, I had a number of relatives, and I could ask them about grandfather. Tell me about his, what do you know about the journey? And how did he wind up in Fiji from India, of all places? What we found out there was, he was on his way to Argentina, actually because there's uh, cattle ranching there that's what he had heard is cattle ranching in Argentina and I'm going like okay but you wound up in Fiji nobody knows exactly why now there are three theories about it number one he's coming from a landlocked country and maybe being on the ocean for so long he had had enough of sea life and he said that's it I'm getting off Or maybe he saw Fiji for the paradise it is and said, this is a beautiful place. I'll get off here. Or maybe he thought this was Argentina and got off the ship. And when the boat left, he's like, what? You mean this isn't Argentina? Oh, well, I guess here I'm going to start, you know? So that's where I think what happens is if you're not interested in it, it doesn't hurt to just talk to people because that oral history is going to evaporate eventually. If you are interested, there are resources available to you, but again, it goes back to those oral histories that are surrounding you, which are going to evaporate uh, because people either forget or they pass away or any number of reasons And before you know it, literally all you have is a photograph and very little information. I think I was very fortunate that I was able to reclaim based on all the limited information that I had.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought up the whole 23andMe and Ancestry.com. You see ads all over the web and TV, and it's almost like people want to find out their histories. They want Mm. to reconnect. Mm. What do you think is the importance of connecting with our history?
2: Mm -hmm. I think part of it is the fact that we've blended and there's nothing wrong with that blending piece. But I think it is this aspect of this different parts of identity and components of it. You know, maybe somebody has a bit of Scottish heritage and they're like, What does it mean to be Scottish? What does it mean to be Filipino? What does it mean to be this? And to activate it, I think that that's important because those are identities that we hold that the sum of it makes up who we are. We are not all just this homogeneous being. We are comprised of different components, different experiences, but it's also the fact that many times I'll encounter Canadians who really want to learn more about Indian culture. And yesterday, for example, was the celebration of Diwali. And Diwali is the celebration of lights and good over evil and light over darkness. And I had all my Canadian friends and uh, whatnot sending notes of happy Diwali and, you know, either celebrating through food or through celebrations. I think people are learning more and more that they want to embrace this whole cultural identity piece, and the uniqueness. Think of it this way. I played for 11 years in an Irish military pipe band. I mean, hey, St. Patrick's Day, I'm Irish. Well, everyone's Irish on St. Patrick's Day.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, I know I'm very grateful for the way I was raised, even though I was born in the 70s and back in the 70s the word of the decade was assimilate, especially as immigrants were coming in. And so even though my mom came at 23, then met my father and then had me, you know, she did not raise me with the language, Mm. but we were still very tied into the traditions and they made it a point to go back home to the Philippines every five years since Mm. I was four years old. And I'm so grateful for that because I feel so much more enriched And I'm trying to think to myself, why do I feel more enriched? Does that mean people who don't have that connection are less enriched? I think there is something about understanding our history, understanding where we came from to help identify where we can go and the appreciation for what our ancestors have gone through to get us where we are, because we are the sum of our Mm -hmm. identities you came back from India, you're still Canadian, you're still born in England, you Mm -hmm. still have Fijian roots. (laughs) So how did you reconcile the convergence of all those identities when you returned?
2: Yeah, for me, it was instead of segmenting, based on okay, if I'm in this environment, I have to be this or if I'm fine, Fijian household, because of the celebration, I have to be this. It enabled me to realize I've got all of these components of my life and I don't have to separate these identities. I it, It's interesting because based on what you've said, it's like that whole idea of the melting pot, except instead of the melting pot, meaning we're all going to be the same. The melting pot for me was this kichiri. In other words, the pot is not a, a melting pot. It's how you're making your kichiri, which is this blend of flavors and how... I can actually be all of those at the same time now. And it was always funny because I went to India to seek out my Indian identity. And it made me realize I went to India, but I realized I was always Indian. It was just always subdued in the background. And now I bring it forward and it's celebrated with food and culture and just uh, being able to share, but then same with when I travel or wherever I am being a at different events where it's more of a Fijian Indian wedding than I mean, but I can be all of those things at the same time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I know you have kids. Yes. So are you raising them any differently than the way you were raised now that you've strengthened that thread to the past?
2: Definitely. With my boys, one's 10, the other is 12, almost 13, going on 24. <laughs> You know, the feeling, Uh, but what we try to do is we try to expose them to the different cultural identities that they have embraced and what they have similar to what happened after India. For example, my older son, not a huge fan of reading and whatnot. He read my book and he said, actually, I really enjoyed the book. And part of it is because it's his family It's his roots that are exposed in this book, but just the fact that he was really interested and fascinated, and he wants to partake in ceremonies or the cultural aspects of it. So what I'm trying to do is, number one, I'm not going to force them and say, you know, we're going to swing the pendulum an entire different direction. Instead, it's more of having those conversations. I would say 95% of all the dinners we have, it's together as a family. And when we're sitting there as a family, devices are not on, TV's not on. It's more of talking about what's been going on in our days or different things that uh, come up as topics. And I think that the, the art of that conversation is so critical and important, and that's what we need to pass on. Fortunately for my boys, they now have a book that says exactly where their ancestral roots come from. They don't have to do the hard work. Uh, of realizing and finding it but at the same time I think it was a gift from me to them this was before they were born but the book is really for them
1: well I love how it's come full circle because one of the reasons you said you did this was for your father and now it gets to be passed down in something tangible that can be talked about with your sons so As much as the thread got thinner throughout the generations prior to you, you are now strengthening that thread. And I'm curious, have you brought them to India?
2: Not yet. With COVID, it's been off, but uh, equally at the same time, they haven't embraced travel at this point as much as I have. And eventually, I'm going to wade them into those experiences. And actually, Pauline, you bring up a, a good thing about asking about that. It also made me realize this distinction of tourist and traveler. There's nothing wrong with being a tourist, but I'm a traveler. A tourist just wants to see, but not experience. A traveler wants to experience. Uh, it's not a matter of being voyeuristic and, you know, oh, I have to see the poverty and then take pictures of it and post it on Facebook and stuff like that. No, no. A traveler wants to experience. and. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read this brief quote that is at the introduction of my book. I think it really captures the essence of all this. Travel isn't always pretty. It isn't always comfortable. Sometimes it hurts. It even breaks your heart. But that's okay. The journey changes you. It should change you. It leaves marks on your memory, on your consciousness, on your heart, and on your body. You take something with you. Hopefully, you leave something good behind. And that quote was by Anthony Bourdain, and it really captured the essence of how I view the world in my travels. And eventually, I hope my boys embrace travel the same way I have, because once you start traveling with that open mind and you become a traveler, the entire world opens up and your biases and your misunderstandings of people in the world and the the different geopolitical areas just totally shifts and changes. We are humans first and foremost.
1: Yes, thank you so very much. You know, we always look outside of ourselves for diversity, but within ourselves, there's so much diversity. And I wanna thank you, Sam, for showing up, for going on that journey for yourself, for your father, for your children, for future generations to come, and sharing your story on this podcast. Are there any final words you'd like to say before we close?
2: Thank you for having me today. And what I would like to leave is what we started with, that quote. Everyone's life is an autobiography. Make yours worth living. It's a reminder that we are living stories and we're fearful of sharing our stories. Think of what you could discover by going deeper into who you are as an individual. Live your story and your story is meant to be shared.
1: Amen. Yes, I appreciate those words of encouragement that our stories are so important, even if they're scary to face. The stories of our ancestors are so important. And if you have the opportunity to reconnect with your roots, what a beautiful journey that could be. It may not always be pretty, like you said in the yeah. quote by Anthony Bourdain, mm-hmm. uh, but it will help reveal more of who you are. Here are this episode's takeaways. Finding your ancestral roots will help you reconnect and recapture the place and the culture that is your home. Connecting with your history allows you to touch onto the sum of what makes you who you are. Your different identities don't have to be separated. You are all of it at the same time. Traveling and experiencing the world opens you up to new perspectives and broadens your horizons. We are humans first and foremost. Everyone's life is an autobiography. Make yours worth living. From our identity, everything flows. How we see ourselves can often determine the trajectory of our life. So I believe that the greatest adventure you can go on is within. And as we become more aware of who we are, we can appreciate where we have come from and where we are going. And it is in this greatest adventure where we will find our victory. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Small Victories podcast. And until we meet again, be blessed.
0: Angel of light, come into me. Show me what I need to see You are my path Way into the night Lead me from shadows to light You Smile on, On my smile small victory